Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the what? The good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word and the authority in Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit that teaches us Your Word. Father, we want to hear from You today. Our hearts are open. And uh, we thank you for this season. Thank you for seasons where we can do focus on you this way, Jesus. We love you and we worship you. And just open up our hearts, Lord, to hear what you have to say for every single one of us. We trust you and trust your word. And I pray for the empowerment of your spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, last week, Elizabeth shared the word with you guys last week, and she just did such a great job opening the Christmas season, talking about hope. And um, today and in the next few weeks, we're going to continue to focus on that Christmas story. And today, um, what we're going to do is we're going to look back at Mary and Joseph's journey and uh, what was an unexpected journey. And that's the title of today's message, Unexpected Journey. Um, and they, they certainly did not foresee all the events that were going to take place in their lives. But we're going to jump right into it because we're going to read a lot of Bible, and that's okay in church, amen? Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son. Now, I want you to take a moment. Rather than, you know, this is a story you've heard, right? Um, imagine yourself, you know, a teenage girl. Some of you, that's harder than others. But imagine yourself for a moment. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, but imagine yourself for a moment. This is this teen, not yourself, obviously, but a teenage girl hearing this, right? You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she, who is said to have been unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word of God will ever fail. I imagine that the angel is super excited to deliver this message, right? And I imagine this teenage girl is going, what is happening in my life right now, right? But what I love is her, her reply in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to, be to, me, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So here it is, this, this teenage girl, albeit mature, and she is betrothed or she is getting ready to get married. She's got a boo and his name is Joseph. 
she's likely has dreams like about like what her life is going to be like. Anybody ever done that? You have dreams of what your life is going to turn out to be. And she's probably got these ideas of Joseph, you know, the, the, the carpenter, the strong carpenter. He was probably a stonemason, so he was probably pretty ripped. Um, and maybe they had dreams of owning their own business. Who knows? But she knew this is my guy. And, and she had ideas of their life in Galilee and what it would look like. And in a moment, her entire future changes. She's going to be pregnant before she's married. Not because of sex before marriage, but because of this special call to carry God's son in her womb. And this virgin birth would deliver this God-man who we know will take the punishment of the world upon him, but she just has smatterings of information, right? About what, uh, the, the, how epic this is. And... Um, you know, we have this hindsight bias. We know, oh, but Mary, you, you just don't, like, Jesus, like, you, 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 just wait, just wait. But all she has is what she's lived up to that moment and the fact that she is going to be with this child. So in a moment, Mary has received this, this gift of miraculous conception to carry the Son of God who will reign on his throne forever. But also, in a moment, she's betrothed to Joseph, who is looking forward to marriage and all that that brings, only to discover that Mary is already pregnant. And no, Joseph isn't going to buy the whole, you know, something in the water. You know, like, he, he's, he's got more than that, right? Also, you know, there's a tremendous amount of community shame that would come with this pregnancy. Also, it's entirely possible in that day and age to actually get stoned for this. It was a, it was a real possibility. They, did, they weren't consistently enforcing it at that time, but that was a real possibility. And kind of what I, I want to show you is like, there's, um, there are different points in the room to read this story, right? And we have that hindsight bias of, of course, all the good, right? But y'all, this young lady is about to carry this pregnancy. And now she has this problem of, I'm pregnant, and there's Joseph. Who's going to tell Joseph? And how, you know, how do you lead with that? So you see, I, so this angel came, and the angel said, and you can see that Joseph's probably going to go like a normal human being. I don't think so. But God's got all the bases covered. Matthew 1, verse 18, Joseph's life's about to change in a moment. Verse 18, he says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place uh, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him 
and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. Nobody was more relieved about Joseph's dream than Mary, right? You know, it's a really nice touch to this when you read Matthew's account of this interaction with Joseph and you read the Luke account of the interaction with Mary, is in both interactions, Gabriel tells Mary, name the boy Jesus. And the angel of the Lord in Joseph's dream says, name the boy Jesus. Isn't that a nice way to go, hey, maybe we're both onto something here right now. A nice kind of little confirmation. And I know y'all who are married, you love it when the Lord says the same thing to your spouse as he says to you. Amen. And when he does it, you're like, well, Lord, you got to tell them, right? Because I know. Um, But rewinding for a moment, in a moment, Joseph's life, his entire future changes in that moment. At first, it looks like Joseph's life is about to begin with an unplanned divorce because he realizes that that Mary is pregnant, and he's, can you imagine? I mean, Joseph is probably pretty human. He's probably feeling betrayed. He's probably thinking, I thought I knew Mary. I thought she was above board. I thought she was a good girl. And now he's like, she's not who I thought she was. Shows a lot about his character, though, that even knowing the shame and the transgression, and the shame that of her would actually reflect on him as well. Even in all of that, he was so classy that he was like, all right, what I'm going to do in my natural mind and just to deal with this is I'm going to divorce her quietly, which was just a really classy move. Now, betrothal in the Old Testament, or in, in Scripture, I should say, and in that time, is a stronger commitment than our engagement is. It's like engagement, but it's even stronger. Because betrothal is a covenant to be married, but to break a betrothal, you have to get a divorce. Isn't that interesting? And so he's already betrothed, and now he's going to have to divorce her so that he doesn't marry her. And the difference is when they were married, that's when they would live together. That's when they would consummate and have sex and, uh, and, and all of that. And so the angel of the Lord appears in this dream and alleviates Joseph's fears and thoughts. And he's such a classy guy that he's like, you know what? I'm going to take the word of the Lord and I'm going to marry this lady, and I'm not going to consummate. It actually says in Matthew that he does not consummate the marriage until they have Jesus. And so if you're following along, Mary's pregnant, right? They're already betrothed, and, and Joseph says, okay, I'm going to go through with the wedding, and we're going to be married. That's how they traveled to Bethlehem together, is by that time they were married, but he had not consummated. Everybody following? Y'all are like, whoa, this is getting, like, this isn't, I'm just telling you the Bible here. All right. And so Mary and Joseph are on this unexpected journey. And one of the things I want to show you today is it's a mixed bag. There's some really good things, and there's some really difficult things, right? The good things are they have the privilege and the responsibility of raising the Son of God. Okay. Their son is going to become the king who will reign forever. And they have no idea that he's going to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and reign in eternity forever. That's pretty amazing. Their son is going to take on the penalty of the sin of the world upon himself. And the difficult is they have to navigate disgrace and what appears to be fornication or premarital sex and, you know, all these different kind of things. They've got to navigate kind of all of that and and everything that it means. But you know what? Um, They chose to receive the word of the Lord and move forward. Amen? You know, 
I, I, I said this statement earlier this week, and it's just been kind of ringing in my head all week. After, you know, just serving the Lord, I've, I've only been serving the Lord for about 30 years. Highly recommend it. I'm, I'm so thankful for, for serving the Lord. I've tried it the other way. It didn't work out very well. And the thing that has been very interesting to me is that life is actually very hard. And life is really good. And, and no matter how much you're a planner or a preparer or how much you have control over your life and everything that's going on in your life, life is going to throw you some curveballs. And you will end up at points on an unexpected journey if your whole life isn't an unexpected journey. Amen? For me, I'm a natural optimist, right? So for me, the life is really good. Like, that's kind of easy for me to grasp. The thing that's been interesting or kind of the, the curveball for me is I didn't realize how difficult life can be as I've gone through life. Now, for other people, like, your early life was so difficult and so hard, you're like, oh, I got the life is hard. I got a master's degree, and life is really hard. And you have been surprised at how good your God can be in the journey, and you're experiencing along the way, and life can be really good because of Christ in your life and because of learning how good he is in your life. Amen? And we're seeing this in Mary and Joseph's journey because their unexpected journey continues. And it continues with, there's a census that is ordered in the entire Roman world. And in Luke chapter 2, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And when he went there to register with Mary, he who he was, excuse me, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I don't know if y'all think about this like when you're reading the word, but I think they are carrying the Son of God, Right? Let's at least get them in a Hampton Inn. Right? I mean, it doesn't have to be a Hilton. But, you know, a full, like, but let's at least get them in a Comfort Inn or something, right? This is the Son of God. So you've got this pregnant young couple who's traveling to Nazareth while she's pregnant, right? And there's no room available for them. And so they end up in a structure meant for animals, and she gives birth in this structure meant for animals. Probably not what she was hoping for. Probably not part of the dream. Probably wasn't part of the daydream for her life. There are just sometimes things can be really hard and unexpected. Now, I want you to take a moment and think. In her perspective, She's, she has had an angelic visitation and has been impregnated and she's having this miraculous birth and she's in a stable having a baby. You ever have those moments in your life where God has spoken to you and God is doing some amazing things and yet you're in a stable? This is like, like real life, right? And yet they're in this stable, right? And these shepherds, randomly come to them and say, angels appeared in the sky to us and announced this birth and told us where to come, gave us your address here at the stable, and we're here to say, hallelujah, at the stable. Not at the Hampton, not at the Hilton, at the stable. And magi come from the east, 
seemingly out of the blue, and they visit, and they have gifts, these beautiful gifts to give this child in a stable. Sometimes life can be really good. Yeah, I think Joseph and Mary, those days, were like, this is a good day. This is a good day. And Joseph's like, he's counting the gold. Yeah, this is a good day. Right? Here, you take the frankincense. I got this. You know. Then, it continues, Matthew 2.13. When they had gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is after the Magi are gone. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so also fulfilled the Lord, what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and the vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. I thought, man, it's, it's thought that Mary and Joseph actually were probably in Bethlehem for a good amount of time. They probably lived there for, for a while. They didn't just pop in for a, a visit. And now, all of a sudden, they're having to move to protect the life of Jesus and flee um, from Egypt. And, um, you know, and there's this... And so the, the travel from Egypt or excuse me, from, from uh, Bethlehem to Egypt would have been pretty significant. It's thought that they went to Alexandria, and if you're looking at Egypt, you know, you've got like Cairo here. Alexandria is like on the north coast. Like it's well into Egypt. And I, I, map, I did a Google map on it. I was just kind of curious. If you were to drive there, they didn't drive. It's like 1,000 kilometers to get there by the road system. I, I was looking, but I would walk that way. It would be, but it was a long way, y'all, from Bethlehem to Alexandria. I'm just going to guess that wasn't part of the plan, right? And if they were indeed there, and regardless of whether or not they were indeed there, the fact that Herod would respond with a genocide of children in that place, there are probably people going, oh my gosh, I know so-and-so, and I know so-and-so, and they're there, they've lost their kid, and it has to do with my kid, and God saved my kid, they probably got survivor's remorse. Like, whoa, what's happening here? Y'all, Sometimes, life can be really hard. And then, after the death of Herod, which was about 4 BC, they went back to the homeland, all the way back to Nazareth, which is where they were originally from, and which means that while Jesus was still very young, they were restored to their family and to their community, and that would be the start of the rest of their life. Sometimes, life can be really good. Getting to go home, and be with your family. This, this, this verse, Romans 8, 28, says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This scripture, it doesn't say God causes all things. And it doesn't say that all things are good. What it says is, in all things, God works for the good. Which is an interesting difference, right? He takes the hard things, please hear this today. He takes the hard things and he'll work them out for something good. He doesn't say the hard thing is good. He doesn't say that the bad thing is good. He doesn't say, oh, you just wait. I know it's tough, but I'm just really excited. No, he knows that the hard thing is difficult. 
He's not excited about Herod killing babies. But he has a way of taking our lives and navigating them in a way in which we can definitely experience the really, really good things. And who knows what happened in Egypt? You know, we might, we might get some sit-down classes with, you know, Joseph and Mary in heaven, you know, big amphitheater and Joseph. Let me tell you about Egypt. You know, the book was already pretty big. We didn't get this. In Egypt. But, you know, we actually, we went, to, I'm making this up. I like to be clear. Okay, we went to Egypt and we thought we got the Son of God, and we told everyone, "Hey, yo, we got the Son of God." It didn't work out very well. So when we went back to Bethlehem, we said, or to uh, to Nazareth, we, we decided to roll a little slower and quiet. I'm just making that up. Who knows what they learned in Egypt that served them in Nazareth? Is what I'm getting at, right? And even in the midst of the twists and the turns and the things that are hard in your life, man, God will not waste the stuff that you are going through. But you got to be paying attention, right? you got to be the student and go, God, don't waste what I'm going through. Don't waste this hardship. Help me to learn of your goodness and to learn of your nature. And I'm not going to accuse you of evil, but I certainly am going to have my ears and my heart open because I want to learn every lesson I can. Let's not waste what I am going through. How do you process in your own mind the really hard stuff? And are you recognizing the really good stuff? You know, we talk about thankfulness. And thankfulness is such a key because it's an opportunity to enter into a place of worship and to thank Him. For instance, we're all sitting here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How blessed are we to be sitting here in Goochland County in a building with air circulating and heat if it's getting cold. and I mean, how much do we have to be thankful for? Just sitting in this room right now. And it takes sometimes some attention to go, now, hold on, I know that life is good. Why? Because he came to give me life and life to the full. And he is a good God and he treats his children well and he is a provider. And the challenge is that we live in a broken world and we have a hard time reconciling the fact that we have a really good God and we, we have salvation and eternity and we have so many blessings on earth. I'm not discounting any of the good stuff of the Lord. And we live in a broken world. And sometimes we, we, we can feel a little jostled around by it, a little bit like, but I thought, that, I thought it should be better than this or I thought it should be easier. We're, we're reading the story of Jesus coming to this planet and look at what this young couple is going through. It's not all roses. There's some thorns there. It's not all easy. And so what we have to do is we have to think about, God, how do I process these things that are really hard? And you know, the thing about us humans is we need explanations. You ever notice that? I mean, the car makes a sound. I'm going to come up with an ex. I don't know anything about cars except how to change the oil. Be like, well, that's a, this and that, and that's a such and such, and that's not a big deal, honey. Don't worry about that sound. But if it makes a sound, that one we need to you know, take. Like, uh, we'll make stuff up. You don't know. You just make stuff up. But we got to know the reason, don't we? 
right? Car makes a sound. I got a reason. Why, why did that accident happen? Well, there's got to be a reason. Why, why, you know, why did my work responsibilities change? Well, there's got to be a reason. Why, why are my kids struggling? Well, there must be a reason. You know, sometimes our, it's not wrong to think. It's not wrong to have a reason. But in, we naturally look for the reason for why things happen. And the thing is, sometimes it has to do with being in a broken world. Sometimes we have a transactional relationship with the Lord. Like something bad, I got a flat tire. Well, Lord, what did I do to get that flat tire? Um, you rolled over a nail. Right, which sounds really simple to us, but you know, when it's in the middle of your day and you got a plan and all that kind of stuff, you're like, how could you let this nail come into my tire? And you know, we're just like, we've all lived there, right? Like, Lord, couldn't you keep the nail out of my tires? Like, you're on planet Earth. What do you want me to do? Put a bubble around you? But you see, we are called into the world, not, right? We're, we were called to go to the world. And, and we're not exempt from the challenges of the world. But see, here's the thing. Life is really hard, but life is also really, really, really good. And in your paradigm of, of, like, of like how you process this stuff, how are you processing it with the Lord? I want to encourage some of us to get out of the transactional mind. Like, everything is, I did something right or wrong. It's not, let me tell you, what you do matters. And life has consequences. But if everything is a transaction around you, then that means the planet revolves around you. That doesn't make sense, right? And if, if there's something that you need to change, the Holy Spirit's just really good about speaking to you. Just listen to him, not the devil. Because he'll condemn you all day long, and he'll tell you why you got that nail. Oh, it's because the, you know you 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 didn't you weren't nice this morning, and so you got a nail in your car. He'll tell you all day long. So we live in this broken world, and we have to navigate. But here's the cha- the thing: with Christ, when it comes to the really hard stuff, you have this amazing blessing and advantage of having the Lord in your life who's not going to leave you, who's not going to forsake you, but who's going to be there with you. And so we have to be careful, even in the really hard, and I don't mean to diminish, because we go through some really hard stuff, but y'all, I, we get to go with, through it with the Lord. Can you imagine going through some of the things you've gone through in life without Him? Right? So even in our heart, like, we, we can't really complain. Like, we can't really. There's empathy, there's understanding, but, oh, if you have heard the gospel and if you had an opportunity to know Jesus, it is, it is not fair, and we are blessed. There's a scripture that um, came to mind last week, um, and uh, we just had life happening around us, and this scripture came to my mind, like, immediately. It was 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, and it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's talking about the Lord. You have the Lord. You have the revelation of who He is. You have Him in your life. We are jars of clay, and yet we have the deposit of the Lord. I love the, the, the juxtaposition of that, the, how different the a jar of clay and this this treasure in us. Isn't that a beautiful thought? But we have to remember, we are still jars of clay, 
And I know I don't have my glorified body. I am sure of it. The metabolism fight, the, all the, it's just like, dang, gone. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm, sh- I'm sure metabolism won't be in heaven. Don't you think? Just feast, you know, the marriage supper of the Lamb. I got scriptures. But we have these treasures in jars of clay. And I think what we could do in our lives is settle down a bit when it comes to the bad stuff and recognize how good we have it even in the midst of the bad stuff. And recognize that you don't get an exemption pass. Now, don't get me wrong. We're blessed, right? And I I know the blessing of the Lord, and 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 I've seen it. I appreciate it. I'm thankful for health, and I'm thankful for provision. I'm thankful for all of, the, all of these things, these promises of the Lord that are for me in Scripture. I'm thankful for that. But I'm not exempt from living in a broken world. And so that paradigm changes this transactional model. And the reality is when the Lord says, hey, get out of town because Herod's going to kill the baby, you go, what did I do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. Get out of town trying to save you. I don't want to go to Egypt. It's a really long walk. And get out of town. Save the baby's life. But this is really hard and the journey's long and I and me and like, you know, I'm kind of putting on here and obviously that's not how they handled it. But this idea of we can bring those broken things and we can bring those challenges and we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, sometimes life is really hard. And he's like, yeah, you are. And then, oh, why so downcast, oh, my soul. Put your hope in God. Right, like we serve a good God. I mean, our worst days here on earth, I mean, are, don't, don't compare, like heaven is so good and we ain't there yet. And there's good here on earth. And that's the thing, I, I just want to encourage you, like cherish the good, Look, because the good is always there. The goodness of God is always around you. And some of us, we need to, we need to start schooling ourselves in how good it is because we're really good at identifying all the things that are going wrong. But come on, let's be thankful. Let's be thankful. Because when you're checking in the heaven, you're not going to go, oh man, that was so hard. You're going to be like, woo, it just gets be- so good, right? Let's not regret how we handled the difficulty there's a pastor who recently lost his wife, and you know they were faith people. They were contending and believing for, for, for her healing, and she didn't get healed. And when he preached the message, he said, listen, he said, my worship to God in the midst of this pain and in the midst of this challenge, in the midst of, of this hard thing in life, is a type of worship that I can't give in other seasons of my life. There's a purity and a preciousness to my worship to him and my devotion to him in this moment that's different than when everything is good. I know Friday, I had a good day. After service, you want to hear about it, I'll tell you, I had a good day. Like, you ever, you ever frustrated because like a lot of good things happen on the same day and you're like, Lord, spread it out. <laughs> I had one of those days Friday. I was like, man, this is a good day. Somebody called me and said, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing great. And they were like, why are you doing great? And I told them because I'm like, I'm going to celebrate, right? I want to encourage you like, yes, life is hard but you have the Lord. And life is really good. And when you recognize how hard life can be, I I want you to preach to yourself, yes, and life is really good. You don't have to deny that things are difficult. But see, it's not difficult for you the way it is for other people. And we should be really appreciative of that. And we should thank the Lord for that. You don't have to deny it, and you don't have to think that you're the only one who has a difficult life. It's like, why are all these other Christians doing so well? Because you don't know the rest of the story. 
I mean, we're reading Joseph and Mary, and we're looking at it, we're like, that's pretty rough. That's a pretty rough start. There's a lot of things stacked against them. And they had this assignment from the Lord, and they were faithful to the Lord. And you know what? Mary, she would later on say, Jesus, they ran out of wine. You're like, Mom? What? Come on, Mom? She's like, she's like do what he says. He changes the water to wine. It's better wine than they had before. And they're like, yeah, but you know, that was a good day. But then there was a day where she watched her son mutilated and beat and dying on a cross. Y'all, life is really good and life is really hard. Three days later, he raised from the dead. And let's, let's keep the end of the story in mind, right? This is temporal. When we graduate into heaven because of Jesus Christ in our lives, not because you and I did a good job and passed the test, but because of his, we received him by faith into our lives and followed him. When we go there, that is the rest of the story. And that is going to far outweigh our momentary troubles, as it says in the Bible. Amen? Would you stand with me today? We're going to take a moment. Abigail, will you come up? And we're going to pray. And um, here's how I want to pray with you today. I want, to pray, I want to pray with you. Some of you are going through really hard things. Probably most of us, right? Let's take those hard things and let's put them before the Lord. And say, God, help me to see you work through this. He works all things together for good. He didn't cause it. He didn't make it happen necessarily. Like he works it all together. But you have him. Let's put it before him. And maybe, maybe if you, um, I'm going to touch a little bit of a sore thing. Maybe if you have a challenge with feeling sorry for yourself, and I don't mean that in a harsh way, but you have some like self-pity stuff going on, and you read this story today and you go, you know, I didn't have to flee with my kid to make sure they stayed alive. Maybe, maybe everybody has hard things. And I'm going to take this pity and I'm going to release it today. Recognizing that people have hard things. And you know, one of the things that we have through hard things is the one another. But we got to open up and share that. Amen. Let's just take some time and pray. Father, we love you. God, um, I know part of my heart today is in no way to diminish the greatness of of the new birth and the blessings and the promises and all the good things that you have for us in life. They are so great. But Lord, I see in your word where people dedicated to you go through difficult trials. And yet, you are so good. So Lord, today we bring our trials individually. These things that have been really hard, things that we've questioned you about, things that have frustrated us, things that have made us look to ourselves, Lord, and, and just try to figure out a reason. Father, we put those things in your hands and we ask you to be the interpreter of the difficulty. Lord, we want a revelation from you, not ourselves making things up along the way. We put this thing before you and we say, God, see us through it. Lord, we thank you that you're the God who overcomes. And we thank you that you are the God who has answers. And Lord, there are things that you may want us to pray into that circumstance. There, there are so many ways that you can handle it. But God, we put this in your hands first, not ours. For those of us, God, who've struggled with self-pity, 
we ask for your forgiveness and we repent and we just say, God, that's not healthy for us and it's not helping anyone. We release that to you and we just say, Lord, we know that we are blessed. We know that we are so blessed. And so God, we say, forgive us. And Lord, I pray, would you open our eyes to the goodness of God? Lord, even as we're seeing difficulty, Lord, open our eyes to how good you are, how good you are, Lord Jesus. You are such a good God. We thank you for your blessings and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can have you in our lives, Lord. We thank you for this treasure that we have in jars of clay. How blessed are we to have the opportunity to know you and to follow you and we call ourselves blessed. Oh God, you're so good. You are so good. Oh, we love you today. Oh, we honor you today, Jesus. I'm going to give you all an assignment in all of this. I was um, in, a, in a scenario recently with some, someone and I looked at them and I said, how are you? And they said, I'm good. And I, I gave them, I call it now the Elizabeth stare. Sometimes she stares into your soul. I said, no, how are you? And they said, well, my daughter just came out of a nine-year uh, sexually abusive marriage and and, you know, has two kids and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's been torment for my family the last, you know, three years. Y'all, people are, they walk through stuff. And in that moment, like, there wasn't like a lot that I was doing. It wasn't somebody in our congregation. Otherwise, I wouldn't even share it with you. Um, but in that moment, it was that, that being heard and then being able to say, this was really hard. And just being able to talk to it and just hear them and interact with them. And, you know, I didn't have to walk away carrying his burden. But there was something that lightened his load by being heard. Right? And I, I'm, the assignment isn't so that you can go carry other people's stuff. Sometimes people just need that real conversation. And, and they need to be affirmed. And sometimes they don't need to be coached in the moment. I know all of us couples know what that's like, right? Sometimes it's like, I just want you to hear me. I don't want an answer. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Ever been there with your spouse, right? And it takes discernment to know that. But man, let's just be there for one another. Let's like hear and just say, hey, anything I can do or can I pray for you? That kind of thing. And it just lightens people's burden. Amen. Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for you today. And uh, we just give you our hearts in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.